So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. So the host of today's episode, I met through Vanessa, my partner, and uh, she's disclosed this on her podcast and social media, so I will as well. These were the catalysts in her life early years. So Ashley was her therapist, and she also did sessions with Ashley's husband, Lair. So I thought it was interesting to bring them on as host slash contributors because uh, she they were just such a powerful part of Vanessa's story. and. I know they will be for you, for you as well. Okay, Laird Torrent is the author of the book, The Practice of Love, Break Old Patterns, Rebuild Trust, and Create a Connection That Lasts. He is a leading marriage family therapist and a mindfulness-based relationship therapist. A daily OM bestselling author and a contributing columnist at Inc.com. He has been resourced and interviewed by such notable news outlets and publications as NPR, Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and a host of podcasts and radio shows. He is the co-host of the Not Your Mama's Therapy podcast and can be found on Instagram at Lair Torrent, T-O-R-R-E-N-T, Holistic Therapist. And his wife, Ashley Torrent, is a psycho-spiritual therapist, intuitive medium, and spiritual teacher. She sees both individual and couples, offers intuitive readings, teaches classes in spiritual mediumship, and is a co-host of the Butterfly Effect podcast. I'm sorry, the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast, which aims to ground spirituality and explore personal transformation. Ashley believes that as spiritual beings, we are all mediums, channels, and energy healers, but have forgotten our true nature and how to use these innate gifts. She also believes Based on her personal experience as a complex trauma survivor and practitioner, practitioner, that true healing occurs when we, we weave together psychological understanding and spiritual practice. She can be found on Instagram at Ashley Torrent, T-O-R-R-E-N-T 29. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Lair and Ashley. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the SOP Single on Purpose podcast today. It is the Practice of Love podcast, Taking Over the SOP podcast. I'm your host, Lara Torrent, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, as always, my wife, my life partner, my better half, Ms. Ashley Torrent. She is also a clinician therapist. She is also an intuitive medium, an all-around amazing human. And today we are talking about fear. Fear, fear, and more fear. And I know fear has been talked about a lot. Uh, I'm going to imagine it's probably been talked about in this podcast, but hopefully we're going to bring a different spin to it as we tend to. Uh, Ash, you were the one who originally said, hey, we should do this. Um, uh, we should do fear. And I, I'm wondering what made you want to do that. Hmm. 
Well, first, I just want to say thank you for all the lovely adjectives to describe me. It makes me feel so good. Um, but going back to fear, um, as someone who has complex PTSD, I've mm -hmm. learned that I have to be in relationship to my fear, my trauma. And so I'm not necessarily going to talk about um, fear in, as someone who has PTSD, meaning if you don't have it, um, then this won't relate to you. But what I've learned in my relationship to it. And I think we need a relationship to fear because if we don't have a relationship to it, then fear can become consuming. It can keep our lives mm -hmm. very small. Um, mm -hmm. It can keep us stagnant. And, right. you know, what I've noticed in my life is because of the PTSD, I have to do things that challenge me daily, that challenge my mm -hmm. fearful brain, my trauma brain daily, that make me feel courageous, that bring joy to my life, that make me feel um, like I'm pushing outside my comfort zone. And so, um, you know, the other day I was having an experience and I thought, let's talk about this and I'll share that experience in a moment. But I was like, this is a good topic because people need to do this of any age. No, I like what you said that you said you, you have an ever present sort of relationship to your fear. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I have to, or it can become all consuming. We know when you have a trauma brain or when you have a brain that operates through a trauma lens, um, that can be the way you see the world through that lens. And it's important to check in on a daily basis, sometimes moment to moment basis. Am I seeing the world through that trauma lens or am I seeing that lens through what's actually happening now or what's possible mm -hmm. or through love? Right. Because you can walk through, well, it's just, I've said it many times and I'm somewhat smarter than me, probably said this a long time ago, but there are two doors that you walk through on any one thing, fear or love. It is up to you. But I do think that fear can be the the all-consuming aspect that can take over. I know for me, um, I sort of walk through the world under the guise that I don't have complex PTSD, and I think that I do, um, and that my fear brain is constantly trying to hijack. It's trying to tell me all of the, the ways that calamity could befall me, and if I'm not careful, I will begin to listen to that. And... Mm -hmm. um, one of the ways that I feel like uh, I began to discover just how fear based my life was, you know, and I'm sort of a, I'm kind of one of those people that I think people when, when they, when they meet me, when they look at me, they don't necessarily think I walk through the world with fear. Um, I think that's probably true. No, I would uh, think they don't assume that. I think because you've always seemed like one of the bravest people I've ever known. You don't cower to much. I've never seen you get really coward no, in. No, but it, within that, I have to admit there's always, there's always fear and there's always fear that, yeah. that, that the other shoe is going to drop, that the, the, the most terrible thing is going to happen. Um, a person's going to say this thing, this person's going to want to drop the gloves with you. And so it's, it's been an ever present aspect in my life, but one of the ways that sort of made itself known to me, and it was a, a, a thing that I had to confront was oddly enough, we had just moved to Charleston, the kids were real young and the boys wanted escape. They wanted skateboards. And so we got them these mm -hmm. skateboards. And so we got them the skateboards and we got them the pads, helmet, all the things. And there we were, the three of us out there in front of the house on the sidewalk. And we're looking at the skateboard and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and we're looking back at the skateboard and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them. <laughs> and finally, I think it was Jake said, well, dad, get on that board. Come on, show me how to do it. <laughs> And I was immediately riveted with fear 
because riddled with fear because I hadn't been on a skateboard in 20 years. And my son's asking me to jump on this board. And I thought, shit, man, what am I going to do? And all of the fear around falling came up. And I'd had clients who had fallen on skateboards and rollerblading and things like that. And, and they, and on roller skates and it like smashed their elbows, literally like six months in a cast. And all of that started sort of flying by me in my brain. Like I gotta go to work tomorrow. And what I realized in that moment was something very significant about fear. And that was that, first of all, I had a terrible relationship to it, but that I had forgotten how to fall, both mm -hmm. literally and figuratively. Um, I had forgotten how to actually fall as you see kids know, kind of knowing how to fall when they fall off skateboards and doing dangerous things. But I had also figuratively forgotten how to allow myself to put my, to, to put myself in positions where I might fall. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid of it. And I started thinking to myself, what are all the places in my life where I've been sort of hedging my bets, not getting up too close to the line, moving, not through love, but through fear. And it started to dawn on me that I was living my life by and large through fear of the other shoe dropping, the bad thing happening, not wanting to do that dangerous thing. And that something had to shift and something had to change. Now, I remember, you know, when I first met you, um, you know, we worked in a bar, but you would wear whenever we went out, even if we weren't working in the bar, when you worked in the bar, you wore special boots. And when we went out, on the town, like in New York city, out on the town, such an old fashioned way of saying things. Yeah, um, when we went uh, out on the town, boot. um, you wore your yeah, special so. boots in case shit went down. Like you were always prepared in case there was a fight because you'd grown up having to protect yourself, like in different um, situations with bullies and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I've noticed that soften over the years that you don't feel that way. Um, mm -hmm. but that said a lot about you. Um, when you're talking about learning to fall, I think for me, I have had to learn how to stay in my fear and um, meaning learning to plant my feet, trust that I can handle myself and stay, even though my body doesn't go into fight response, it goes into dissociative freeze, fawn, flee, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. all the other opposite responses that you do. Um, so what I've been learning, especially over the past couple of years and learning how to stay when I'm afraid and I'm um, I was out at the barn, you know, I spend time with horses and um, I love being with them for many reasons. I highly recommend it. They have the biggest hearts and beautiful heart energy in their empaths. But I was working with this horse who's a thoroughbred. I normally work with quarter horses and um, I don't ride horses. I just spend time with them, feed them, care for them. And this horse is big. It's really big. You've you seen Rody. He's a big horse. You converse with. Oh, them. I talk you to them intuitively. Them. I talk yeah. to them. Yeah, I do converse talk with back. them. That's an important aspect. Yeah. Yes, they do talk back, which I would love to do a podcast on animal communication sometime. Um, but Rody's big horse, the biggest horse I've ever yeah. worked with, and um, never, never, never um, groomed him or picked his feet or did anything. And so last week with his owner. I picked his feet and I worked with him and we had this beautiful exchange of trust and admitting we were both feet? here. Can you explain? Oh, yes. Sorry. When you pick the feet, you take this tool and you pick clean out their hooves because their hooves right. get like horse poop and grass and mud in them. So you have to stand anyway. by them and you're asking them to pick up their foot and, and you know, a horse them. can do it or not. You don't force it. Yeah. You're handling it. And this is a huge animal. You have to bend down to each foot mm -hmm. hoof. 
and pick their hoof. So you're asking permission for, to touch them. And sometimes they do it very easily. And sometimes they're like, you're not touching my feet. Um, but Rody was. You're risking getting kicked, stomped if they decided to, because they're so huge, they could do whatever they want. That's the part you're leaving. Right. Yeah. Well, what I was going to get to is, so Wednesday, I had this moment where I picked two of his hoofs with his owner present. And it was a really beautiful moment. I could tell that he got to know me. I got to know him. But I went out Friday by myself. And I sat in the field and Rody approached me for the first time because um, we'd had this exchange on Wednesday and I stood in front of him and I looked at him. And so I'm alone with three, you know, three other horses in the field with him. There's no humans around. His owner's not there. And I'm looking at Rody and he's looking at me and I, all I could say out loud, I said to him is I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he just stared at me. He didn't move. Mm -hmm. And I took a breath and then he stuck his chin out. And he was asking me to tickle his chin. And I started playing with his nose and tickling his chin. And then he got this biggest smile. He like showed his teeth. He wiggled <laughs> his lips. It was the cutest thing ever. Um, and it was this moment. But as I sat there and I said, I'm scared. The point is, is I said to myself, stay. Hmm. You know, this horse isn't going to hurt you. You know, this horse, you know, horses are not malicious. You know, if your intentions are pure, this horse is not going to kick you. It's not going to back buck up on its rears. And I said, stay. And I stayed. And in the process, I had this beautiful exchange. I got to see that my brain that was saying this horse is going to hurt you. And I chose not to believe it. I had this exchange of love and this connection with this horse. And then the horse I lease, another horse came over, pinned her ears at him and told him to get away from me because I'm hers. And that was another beautiful exchange of horse communication. But I would have missed out on that if I hadn't have stayed, you know, if I hadn't have said, I'm going to try something different and see what happens. And so that's my point. That's what initiated this conversation is like what, like you said, how, where have you forgotten how to fall and where can you stay longer? Whether it's in an intimate conversation with a friend or uncomfortable feelings, or if you can stay and try something new, where are these places in our life where we pull back? or don't try anything because fear is right. up for us. That's right. And so when you talk about it, it sounds like you have, you're, you're forming sort of a new relationship with fear rather than letting it, yes. letting the reaction to the, the, our normal reaction to our fear is to recoil, pull back, choose another direction. You said, I love how you said it. You said, I decided to stay. And, and how often mm -hmm. do we, allow and, and, and whether it's in, in difficult relationships or in relationships that could um, perhaps engender vulnerability, ask us to go to a different depth within ourselves and with another person, we recoil, we pull back, we go into our shell, we go into our protective aspects of self, as I like to say, and we don't mm -hmm. entertain that fear. And so I like to say, let's, let's get curious about our fear, right? Let's, let's find out about like, mm -hmm. where it is in our body. What, what's it make us want to do? Um, where does it, uh, um, what part of us comes up around our fear and why in each of these situations, rather than just mm -hmm. having that sort of blanket policy wrote answer of I'm out of here. You wouldn't have had that experience right. with that horse, and you wouldn't have learned anything about yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really learning to differentiate like, okay, is this, 
my trauma telling me this? Is this my brain, my pattern of my brain, the pattern of fear telling me I need to leave? I've left so many situations with horses or people because I was afraid. And so to stay was a big deal for me. Um, but I knew that it was just like a brain pattern. It was, it was the trauma lens, the trauma voice talking. It was like back out of this now. And I, and my body knew that I would miss out on an opportunity. So it's really learning like, okay, is this situation something I really need to be afraid of? Or is there something I could learn from this? And I think that's where we can look at our fear and see our growing edge. Like our fear can really point to where we're stuck, where we're not mm -hmm. evolving. And right. I knew I needed to stay with that horse. It reminds me of that Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And I right. love that quote. And I think about it all the time with respect to fear and, you know, fear does feel like that dark cave that you don't want to go into, that you shouldn't go into everything in your body, everything in your, your, your brain tells you, uh, don't go into that cave. But like you say, you know, what, what, what are we missing and what won't we learn? What treasures will we not find if we don't go into that cave? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. We'll miss out on a very colorful part of life. Well, it reminds me also of surfing. It's really small real quick. Yes. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of because when surfing. you, you came to me, yeah, mm -hmm. I was 44, you were 40 and you said, bucket list thing I want to do is I want to learn to surf. And I said, sure. Why don't we just hang lucky pork chops around our necks and go ahead and be <laughs> shark bait. And everything in me, um, everything in me wanted to, you know, find a way not to do that, not to go surfing that day. And my favorite part of it was, is we show up on the day for our surf first surf lesson and there's nobody in the water. And we end up with this surf coach that we just sort of found on the internet. And it's like a big, uh, awful stormy day with nasty <laughs> waves and with a surf instructor who, I mean, he had obviously had a meth problem, either had or ha currently had a meth problem. His teeth were good. And he took us out because I think he needed the money and, and pushed us into these terrible waves. And you and I had the best time and we surmounted those fears within during that time, or at least confronted them in that moment. And consequently, we ended up finding something that has forever changed our lives. Um, everything's different since oh. we learned to surf, right? Right. I mean, I remember that guy, he, you and I were so nervous, but he dragged us both out into those choppy waves, like one in each hand, both our surfboards at the same time, and then pushed us into waves. But speaking of fear, I, we got up, we both got up. I mean, I maybe got up twice, but the one time I remember that, I got up, it, you know, however many times it was, but the one time I got up, I may have been up for two to three seconds. I'm not joking. Right. It was so blissful and joyful. And I couldn't, I had no thoughts going through my mind. The reason I loved, I went back to surfing and I've become like, and just, I love it so much is because when you're riding that wave, there is no mind. It's like, it was the first time I experienced freedom and I was like, I need more of that. And right. for me, I don't know if it was like this for you, but you know, they say to become a proficient surfer, it takes about two years. And that's true. Mm -hmm. In my experience, you and I went out four times a week. 
I was nursing a baby at the time, a one-year-old baby. I would nurse him on the beach while you surfed, and then we would switch off. We had um, our our son who was older as well. We would drag them to the beach Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, hate, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it was. They still hate the beach. They still hate yeah. the beach. <laughs> they hate the beach now. They hate the beach. But that year, you know, I had that blissful experience, and then it kind of started to fall apart after that because my fear started to take over. But I showed up over and over again, in spite of my fear, I sat in that water knowing that there was something for me to learn, something, the joy outweighed the risk. And I experienced that bliss and that freedom and that joy more often than I had a bad time, but it wasn't easy. I don't think it was easy for either of us physically, um, but we showed up. And as a result, we, we do have this thing that we love. And it, you never get stop being afraid when you're surfing because the ocean's constantly changing. You go to different no, beaches. No. The waves are, you know, the tide's low, the tide's high. You have nice people in the water. You have assholes in the water. You never know what's coming what at you. I mean, it's water. What, what was that in the water? On our pad, podcast, we told well, I told the story on on uh, not your mama's therapy about the shark. <laughs> right, shark coming at me last summer. You're trying to figure right. out how to handle it. Right. And obviously we're both here, so we're, it was fine. But, you know, every day you go in the water and, and, uh, you have to face your fear. And it's an interesting, it's interesting, you know, when you're sitting out there and you're dangling your feet in there and you're, you're dangling your feet and you're, you're, you're putting yourself out into the unknown. And, right. you know, that's a profound experience mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, if you allow it to be that. And I like to say, you know, fear and excitement ride a line together. I like to say they used to share, they shared a room in college and, and you know, that, that we could fall on either side of that line. Very often, um, the, the, the fear-based parts of us will lean heavily into our fear and keep us from doing the things that we might want or need to do. Um, but if you think about it, if you, if you push pause and get, and have a mindful moment around your fear and allow the other feelings that are that are also there beyond just the the, the spine tingling fear what you also will notice at least this is true for me uh i also notice excitement and so mm -hmm. many times i have confronted just that thing i remember when i was taking my licensing exam and i all i could feel is fear fear and more fear and then i also stopped i pushed pause and i remember thinking to myself how often do we in our adult lives have an opportunity to do something that actually can change the course of our lives. Um, I think those opportunities tend to get fewer and fewer by and large as we get older. And here I was getting ready to take this licensing, licensing exam that meant the difference for everything. And I could have gone into those fear-based parts of myself, but instead I got really excited about the opportunity to change the, the directional. And that made all mm. the difference. And I think that's something else to talk about is that fear will beg us to compartmentalize into our younger fear-based fraudulent selves, um, those parts of us that, that, that are our inner frauds. And when we, mm -hmm. when we show up in life in that sort of space, more often than not, we'll act from those, um, from those parts, from those places within us and these self-fulfilling prophecies sort of perpetuate. Yeah. Right. I mean, if I listened to my fear, you know, I wouldn't hang with horses. I wouldn't surf. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Um, my life would be very small. And it, to me, it's like, 
It's like when you do these things that challenge it, it's like the music to your life. It's, um, it you adds the color, resilience. the magic to it. Yeah. And, and you find your resilience. You realize you're so much stronger than those stories and you're telling, you're rewriting new stories for your future and your present rather than living stories of the past. Like staying there with Rhodey, I got to tell a story that I can stay and I'm courageous and I can connect and I can let this loving exchange happen. Being out in the ocean tells me that I'm stronger and braver than I ever felt as a kid. Um, yeah, so you feel more resilient. Um, and one thing I was, you know, wanted to suggest for anyone who's like, okay, great. I want to challenge myself, but I don't know what to do. The, the thing I would like to direct anyone is to listen to your heart because all these things that I've done that have added this color, this music to my life, they came from my heart. And just from a spiritual note, you know, the heart is the voice of the soul. And when you're on a path of evolution, and it's time to grow, you will feel a longing. It may even feel a pang in your heart, like a squeezing for something. Those dreams that you long to that maybe you say, I can't do it, or I don't have time, or I don't have the money, or I have kids, or I'm too old, whatever it is, I suggest you listen to your heart. What is the thing that you've always wanted to do? And, and try to find a way to do it. Because I also know that once you set the intention to do that thing, Life does conspire with you. It does conspire to fulfill to your, those dreams. Yeah. And I think to your point, like life will, um, pragmatism will also, as we get older and we have kids and jobs and, you know, big, important lives, pragmatism will often come in and it is guised. It, it, pragmatism is actually I'm coming to this quote and I want to play this for you really quick. Tell me if you can't hear this. Okay. Um, okay doesn't happen to you it happens for you fear is going to be a player in your life you get to decide how much you can spend your whole life imagining ghosts worrying about the pathway to the future but all there will ever be is what's happening here and the decisions we make in this moment which are based in either love or fear so many of us choose jim carrey out of fear disguised as practicality mm. we really want to possibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect. So we never dare to ask the universe for it. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. How will you serve the world? Right. What do you think of that? I think that says well, it all. Well, I right? love that. Yeah, it absolutely says it all because you have to try. I mean, so often I see people who are stuck in these, like, you know, they just turned 40. My body's breaking down. And I'm like, is your body really breaking down or is it that you haven't taken care of your body? So it's actually telling you, Hey, I need some attention, but we have these like pragmatic ideas or these ways of thinking that, Oh, I'm, you know, 40. So now I can't try things or it's too late or I have kids or I'm married or, um, letting money or anything get in the way. And I really feel like we have to try. And if we don't try, we're living an unfulfilled life. You know, I think so often about all those dreams that are unfulfilled within mm -hmm. myself or people. And it's like, what happens to those dreams if you don't fulfill them? All right. 
right? What happens to you? Well, and well, and I ask people all the time. I'm like, let's think about this. Let's think about this. Two weeks, two years, ten years down the road, when you're an old person putting your head on your pillow, are you going to regret having not tried? And I think the answer is often yes. You were going to regret having at least not tried. And we talk about, this is something we talk about all the time too. We've said it a few times in this podcast and I've got kids, I've got kids. And we sort of use the backdrop of being responsible for our children. And I think there's something to be said for that. So now we're not going to take any chances or as many chances. You also have to think about what are you teaching your children about fear, about taking chances. And, you know, we've seen that with people that are close to us where they sort of end up in in these places where they feel like they have, they have no more chances to take chances in their lives. You show me mm-hmm. someone who feels trapped and I'm going to show you a depressed person. Yeah. And so I think we have to learn to take those chances, especially early in early in life. It's um, uh, Gary Vanderchuk. He's a speaker. If anyone knows who he is, he's a business person. And he talks about, you know, living in your 20s, man, you need to be at the plate all the time, just constantly taking swings, taking big, huge swings and not being not being afraid to, to fail because you've got time on your side. And. I don't necessarily think you put that bat away in your thirties, your forties, your fifties, just because you have kids. Now, look, you probably have to be a little more pragmatic and maybe more, a little more responsible at times, but man, you know, if I hadn't tried to write a book, if I hadn't tried to get a book deal, right. Because I was afraid of putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't been, if I had been afraid to, to, to not try acting, I would have never gone to New York. I would never met you. And so, you know, and I'm not saying I'm Indiana Jones or anything like that by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think and this is something I, I came to in preparation for this podcast. So I was thinking, you know, perhaps easy enough for you and I to say, because you and I come from nothing, right? We mm. come from <laughs> nothing. We, <laughs> we come from nothing. So we had to risk everything to create something. Right. Mm-hmm. And that meant our relationship, uh, that, meant the family that we've created, the life that we've created, the practices we've created. Um, if you feel like you have something to lose, it's perhaps a little bit harder, but man, you know, it, it's like Marcus Aurelius said, we shouldn't fear death. What we should really be fearing is never really living. Right. And you know, you're 52, I'm 48. I'm not, I'm not going to stop living now. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe I'm halfway through my life. Maybe there's more than half. I don't know what it looks like. And and honestly, we can't even determine age or time or whatever, because we never know when our time is up. I mean, not to go dark, but we don't, we don't know. We don't know in our twenties, if we're going to live to our eighties. So I think we have to live now and I'm not done living. I keep mm-hmm. listening to my soul and it's telling me, okay, this is next for you. This is next for you. You know, and I want to challenge, challenge myself. You know, when I became a medium, it wasn't just about talking to dead people. It was so much about like seeing a side of myself. It taught me to trust and surrender and believe in the magic of the universe. It taught me that there's so much here than this practical world. I've connected to souls on the other side and people in a way that I could have never imagined. Um, mm-hmm. And usually that dream we have, it's not just about doing the thing. It wasn't just about surfing for me. It was about recognizing how much fear was running my life and letting myself experience joy. Mediumship wasn't just about talking to dead people. It was about Mm -hmm. finding a spiritual practice that showed me a relationship to this life that was just so much more than fear, suffering, and trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, being with the horses shows me that 
animals are incredible and magical and communicate with us. And it's taught me to appreciate and respect the natural world in a way I couldn't understand before, you know, just like having kids was something that came upon that's taught me so much about myself and about rewriting history, falling in love, being with you, choosing each other. I was, I was saving the best for last, you know, anting up for my relationship with you. Mm-hmm. That took a lot of courage and it's yeah. been very vulnerable. We've been together about 22 years now almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's been amazing times and hard times, but staying, staying and getting to know you and allowing you to see me in the darkest version of me, there's not much more vulner- vulnerable you can get. Well, and as we're talking about this in this moment, what I'm realizing is I've I've often thought I knew what always really kind of have my finger on the button of what's special in our relationship. But I think it's constantly doubling down for the vulnerability with this one person and going to depth with you and loving you yeah. wholeheartedly and vulnerably has kept it exciting on every level, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually over 22 fucking years of pretty awesome. But it's because we've stepped into the fear and we did what you said at the top of the podcast, which was we stayed, we always stayed stayed. with, with that fear and with that vulnerability. And consequently, look what we ended up with. I mean, it's been, it's been the most important relationship of my life, the most important foundation. It's been the foundation from which I've completely like just evolved from and grown. I, I don't know who I'd be without it. We're just going to take a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a moment to appreciate and say, and also like we both fell. We fell in this. We learned to fall. We did. You know, and just trusting that our love and each other would catch, catch us in all those times. Over heels, pass over tea kettle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. right. Truly. So as we round out every show of the practice of love, we'll round out this SOP podcast with let's talk about the practice of love with respect to our fears. And so the Mm -hmm. first thing, the first practice would be to be mindful and aware, pay attention to your, to your thoughts, to your feelings and notice, notice where you feel it in your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Notice the thoughts and the feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. And the stories, notice the, the narrative you want to tell about your fear mm-hmm. and what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, and feel free to yeah, jump noticing in. Noticing the lens you're seeing the world through. You know, mm-hmm. am, I, am I seeing the world through, which is the part, yeah, the parts of self. Mm-hmm. You know, am I right. seeing the world through the traumatized part or through a hopeful part of me, um, a, right. a well, wiser self? Well, you can, for me, like you can, I can see people going into a very collapsed version of self which would be the fear, or you get in a very like explosive part of self. Like I'm going to blow through my fear and, you know, you know, uh, explode past it. Uh, maybe even get mad. And sometimes, sometimes that can be helpful. Uh, but you really want to make sure that you're, you're finding that aspect of self that, that you want to be present within your fear so that you're actually learning something. And yeah. then for that, that fourth practice of choosing, in that, in that mindful moment of like, where is it in my body? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What part of me is here? You get the opportunity to really choose whether you walk through the door of fear or you'd walk through the door of love. Mm-hmm. And, and you're choosing what it is you're going 
and choosing the thing that's going to expand your life, choosing the thing that's going to help you grow. Because all of these dreams, longings, pangs of desire, you know, for these things we've always wanted to do, that's our, that's where we grow. And it's just so, it's incredible what they hold for us. And then the last factor is personal responsibility. Are you going to take responsibility for how you're living your life? Are you going to choose to live through fear or love? Are you going to make it magical and exciting or are you going to stay stagnant and bored? Are you going to go in that cave? Yep. All right. I think we're at time. I just want to say thanks to you and everybody listening for listening to us here on the SOP podcast. This is the practice of love. My name is Lair Torrent. One second. Ashley Torrent. You also have a retreat coming up in Portugal. And um, if you're interested in going to Portugal, it'll be a yoga five practices experience. You can find Lair at Lair Torrent Holistic Therapist on Instagram. And there'll be information about that. Um, I am also co-hosting a retreat in Nosara, Costa Rica in June. And I am also teaching uh, my intuitive mediumship classes starting in March. And you can find Uh me at AshleyTorrent29 on Instagram. That's right. And if you are interested in the book, The Practice of Love, you can find that book wherever finer books are sold. Yes. As always, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media. No ads, no algorithms. We got forums. We got live groups. We got webinars. And we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.